The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Central City Citizen, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series. Poppy Chulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Thursday, March 30th, 2023, and I'm your host, Professor X. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CW's The Flash. Please welcome my co-host, Jeffrey. Hey, Central City, National City, and the Dream World. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 9, Episode 7, which was titled Wildest Dreams and aired on March 29th, 2023. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Iris is visited by Nia now as she needs Iris's help. When Iris and Nia fall into a fever dream and explore different possibilities for their lives, Barry, Chester, Allegra, and Cecile desperately try to help them. Meanwhile, Mark entertains Keon, but they have different ideas of what is fun, leaving Keon to feel that Mark is trying to make her something that she is not. Okay, so let's start out. The episode opens with Dreamer walking through what appears to be a warehouse when she is suddenly hit with images of doom. Crows, graves, black widow spiders. Full disclosure, when I was first writing this, I accidentally wrote cows, graves, black widow spiders. I thought, <laughs> yeah, I think the cows are that bad. But anyway. Uh, they can't be of, scary. Well, I mean, have you ever been charged by a bunch of cows? That would be scary. Yeah, you're an urban person, Jeff. Uh I grew up around cows. Let me tell you, they're scary. Uh, soon a group of people appear behind her with a hooded figure. Uh, Dreamer prepares to battle the figure, but they are able to remove her power. Iris inexplicably appears and tells Dreamer that it's about control, and then she collapses. Uh, Nia wakes up in National City's jitters and realizes she needs to get to Central City. Jeff, how did you like the opening? Gave that bit of a uh, you know a a dream feel. The uh, the 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 fast cutting, you know the the strange images. How did you like how it worked? The fast cutting, fast, fast cutting was very strange. I don't know if it was necessary. It was giving more of like a horror vibe, and that wasn't really the vibe that I got at all from this episode. So the fast cutting was just a, a hair bizarre, and it felt unnecessary for me. As I was watching this episode, as a fan of Supergirl, check out the National City Tribune. Yes, we talked extensively about Supergirl here on Poppy Chulo Radio. Um, as a fan, I was like, okay, Nia Null, I like it. Clearly we're in a dream. I like that too. Um, very strange people in the distance. I didn't understand that. Hooded, glowy-eyed person. Makes sense. We're in the dream world. Uh, Iris being there, okay, the tie-in to The Flash, because this is not Supergirl. This is The Flash. Uh, Iris dying... OMG, uh, that that probably is what scared Demetri away from this episode this week. He's Iris dying, he was like, oh no. And then she wakes up and she's in uh, National City jitters, which was was 
I guess, okay, we can reuse a set so, because, so we don't have to build the CatCo set and that kind of stuff. As I was watching it, though, and I was enjoying it because I enjoyed Dreamer. She was a fantastic character on Supergirl. I was like, let's pretend I'm a person that has never watched Supergirl in my life. I would be very confused because I don't believe Dreamer has ever even appeared in like a crossover on The Flash, period. So as imagining in my brain being a non-Supergirl watcher, I would be very confused. I, I, would, I would just be very confused by it all. But it was, it was fascinating to watch as a fan of Supergirl. You know what? You, you raised a point that I was going to bring up later, but uh, let's address it right now. We got a lot of Dreamer in this episode, and I agree with you. I love uh, Nicole Maines. Uh, I think she's great. Um, in fact, I, I want to, uh, you know, venture a potentially, uh, you know, controversial point. I think she has the best costume in the Arrowverse. Oh, look at you! Bold the statement. Colors. Yeah, exactly. The colors, the way it's cut, you know, that the the belt and everything like that. Uh, I think she has like a fantastic costume. It was great to see it back. But I agree with you. It's really weird for someone who is watching The Flash in its final season. To have an entire episode that is basically not about the Flash characters. Most of this episode is about Nia, not about, and, and again, yes, Iris was there, Iris was, but it really felt, you know, a bit, uh, you know, like they, they were shoehorning it in. So, you know, the, the question is, and again, I understand some people might have complained about devoting, you know, so much of one episode of a limited number of remaining episodes. We only have, what, five episodes left of this show? After nine seasons, devoting, you know, most of an entire episode to a character from another show. So, you know, what are your thoughts on devoting so much of this to someone who is eh, not really part of Team Flash, even less than Mark is? Oh, well, yeah, poor Mark. The way that I could sort of kind of explain it away in the back of my mind is that this was an Iris West Allen episode. This was also, yes, a Nia Nall episode. It was very Nia Nall-centric. I agree with you, Professor. Which threw me off. Because I was like, you know, Supergirl had its ending. It wasn't like Batwoman or Legends of Tomorrow that both found out they were canceled after their season finale aired. And... So, so that means Supergirl had an immense amount of preparation time to properly wrap up its characters' arcs. And I felt like, and I think you would even agree, Professor, that they did an actual good job for the most part of doing that. Batwoman, the way that they ended their series' run, it ended, yes, with a tiny cliffhanger at the end, a sort of tease of what's to come, but for the most part, it really did wrap up the central the 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 larger overall arcs of the series when it ended that season would we have liked to have seen more yes of course but anyway I'm, I'm, i don't want to digress into that uh legends interestingly enough out of all of them is the show that actually ended with like a major cliffhanger and one that you know, if we were going to catch up with any characters on The Flash, because this is the final Arrowverse series, and so this is the end of the Arrowverse once The Flash closes its doors in a handful of episodes, like, I thought they would have used them. So it's kind of strange that we're getting sort of like a, like a, 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 uh, what would, like a post-mortem almost with Nia Null 
after Supergirl ended. Um, I, I, yeah, it's it's a strange choice. I'm not going to bitch about it because, as we both have been saying, Nia Nall, Dreamer, Nicole Maines, fantastic. Just a wonderful character on Supergirl. So it is nice to catch up with her. But seeing how much this episode was focused on her... And uh, the fact that we've never seen her on The Flash, the fact that, you know, we basically got just a, a tiny bit of exposition a couple episodes ago that basically was like, hey, you're, you're invited, you being Iris West Allen, you're invited to our brunch, Nia's going to be there. Like, it, it's just, I don't know, it's strange. It's a strange choice. I don't want to complain about it once again because Nia's fantastic, but it is such a strange choice for like the Flash viewers. It, I don't know if it really fully made sense. I did like how they used her in the story because we got to get into like the the you know the the deep uh, dreams and desires and fears of Iris West Allen, one of our leads. But it is it's strange. Yeah, I, I agree much. So, and, you know, I love Nicole. Uh, you know, I love her character. And as I've said, love that costume. I think it's spectacular. Probably the best uh, in the era. Yes, well, also shout out for them to bring back the costume. Yeah. But what extent was this necessary? You know, Supergirl got to wrap everything up in a nice bow. Did we need to have Nia? And honestly, for all the character development that we got for any of the Flash characters, did we need Nia to do this? It felt like it was, you know, wrapping up Nia's story or advancing Nia's story. But Nia, as you said, was never part of, you know, the Flash. You know, did she ever actually cross over to the Flashverse? You know, the only thing that uh, that they managed to do was when she was talking about her powers, you know, reiterate the fact that she was somehow able to stop a fucking tidal wave. And God damn it, why did you have to put that in there, you, you goddamn uh, you know, writers, to put that in there just to piss me off? Um, anyway, but no, I, I mean, I, yeah, I loved seeing her again. You know, she is cute as a bug's ear. I find her absolutely adorable. And as I said, has the best costume, but was she necessary to this episode? Was the end? Yes, we did get a bit of a, uh, you know, a, a, uh, an advance in Iris's character, which we'll talk about as we go through the episode. Did we need Dreamer to do this? I don't think so. Um, but you know, I mean, it was great to see her again, uh, you know, and, and, you know, you know, uh, Nicole was great, but hmm, yeah, I just do kind of I, I if, if anyone was arguing, why are we spending so much time on a character who has never been part of this show? I kind of understand that uh, that argument. Anyway, yeah, I mean, this could have been this could have been the episode in which we wrapped up Legends. Uh, and, you know, how much better would that have been? And and we kind of got the the wrap up of, you know, uh, I mean, a kind of wrap up of uh, of uh, of Batwoman. And, you know, wouldn't it have been great to just have some sort of resolution for Legends? But instead, no, we get resolution of a character who didn't need resolution. And we'll, we'll talk more about that as we go through it. Anyway, at CCCM, Iris is working late when Allegra shows her the headline she's come up with for Iris's article on the Red Death. And it's the exact headline of Iris's first Pulitzer winning article that Barry remembered from the future. Suddenly, Iris seems to be having doubts. Meanwhile, at Star Labs... Keon seems to be having seems to have unlocked her ice powers and spills something on Mark and in the process prompting him to take off his shirt, which leads to kissing, but it's all a dream. Mark's fallen asleep on monitor duty. Uh, Chester and Keon show up to relieve him, but Mark invites Keon out for the day instead. Jeff, let's yeah, let's just get rid of this whole Mark Keon subplot now. Any thoughts on how it all played out? 
Here is my take on it. I feel like we got much of the same that we've been getting. I mean, Mark pretty much from the beginning has been trying to turn Keon or has been trying to get a glimmer of Frost in Keon. And Keon has been saying the same thing from the start is, I am my own person. I am not Frost. Hello. And what I found interesting, if I'm going to grab anything that was interesting about the storyline, is the fact that the cast in general mourned Frost. Like, we had that entire episode in which, like, the denizens of Central City were, like, giving their testimonies about, like, how Frost changed their lives and all that kind of stuff. So it's like the the show mourned her already, but Mark, I mean, and, and I get it, you know, he lost somebody that he was, I guess, deeply in love with, and so he still isn't over it. Like, he isn't... He hasn't been able to cope with the loss. You know what? I understand and respect that. You know, there are many people that, that, that have been in relationships or have been married and they lose their partner. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, decades later, you know, they, they, they're still affected by the memories and that kind of stuff. So I do understand that with Mark. My whole thing is Caitlin also died and nobody gives a shit. And it's like, Keon is the only one that cares that Caitlyn has died. And that's the thing that bugs me. Because it's like, whenever Mark is all up in his feels about Frost, I'm like, why is nobody still sort of shaken that they've lost their friend, ally, co-worker, for, that, that they've been friends with for like, you know, decade or something? I don't know. Like, that's the only thing that really bugged me about it. I will say this also... The scene in the bar in which everyone thought she was Frost, but she's like, no, I'm not Frost. And then they have like a public argument about Frost at the bar and everyone's like chiming in. And then everybody, once it turned serious, they all like hushed up. That was a little cringe. It was very strange. It was like, I don't know what they were doing. Was this supposed to be like a rom-com type of moment? It didn't work for me. Um, and, uh, had they just dealt with this when Mark was trying to make her, like, Frost Powers emerge? Uh, what was it, the, the previous episode? I don't know. Yeah, it was the previous episode. It feels like forever just because we had that week break. If they would have, like, handled all of this with Mark and, like, realizing he's trying to turn um, Keown into Frost, then that would have been fine. But I hate that they had to, like, bleed it into this episode and basically, Keon had to be like, we're just doing stuff you like to do. You know, you're trying to get my mind off of whatever, whatever, because you had a sexy dream with me. And so you're trying to see if, like, we have that spark. But I'm not Frost. I'm my own person. You haven't even tried to get to know me. And I have my own interests. Now, I will say the little sexy dream, like, the, they, they, they have chemistry. Like, clearly they did when they were Frost. When they were Frost. When, um, when um, Danielle Panabaker was Frost. Uh, so I feel like because of what happened in this episode, clearly they're not going to go into the Mark Keown type of thing. But, I mean, they did have, like, a TV character chemistry spark um, that well, was like, okay, maybe this is where this episode is going. But then it didn't, and I was like, that's fine. Although it's interesting when you think about the fact that, you know, that, that scene with, you know, uh, Keon and, uh, and, and Mark – you know, uh, where he takes off his shirt and, you know, have, say, you know, 12-pack. Uh, you know, when we find out subsequently that's his dream, 
that's an indication that that's how he sees himself, which is, wow, dude, get over yourself. Uh, <laughs> There's but, that. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. The, uh, you know, the weirdest thing about the, this whole subplot was the scene in the bar. And first off, O'Shaughnessy's going from a neighborhood bar to a high stakes gambling operation yeah. to a karaoke bar in the span of three weeks. You know, pick a lane and stick with it. Well, but, I mean, you know, there are theme nights. Yeah, I, I don't so think high, high end gambling is a theme. Night. <laughs> well, that might not but, be a theme night. It was really weird, you know, seeing all those people reacting. And, and I don't know if that was written, whether that was a, uh, a director's decision, whatever. But, you know, just from a, a, you know, speaking as a Canadian and assuming that all of those people, you know, those, uh, you know, uh, minor day players were Canadian. No Canadian would ever comment on anything that was going on in a bar in that way. That is not the way we were made. Uh, you, you shut up and you look at your drink and, and just hope that it will all go away. Yeah. So, but you do uh, listen yeah, in. I, I kind of, you know, of course we listen in. Yes. And we silently judge and we talk about it later, Yeah. <laughs> but we would never comment in the moment. Like a normal human. I actually, I, I kind of thought, you know, I wonder whether they were setting up that this was going to be another dream situation because it just seems so unreal to me that people would be commenting on what was going on in a public bar in that way that I thought to myself, you know, Mark's going to wake up again and realize, oh, my God, I've screwed up. And, you know, there's no way that normal human beings would ever act in this way. So, yeah, I, I agree with you that, that that, you know, as much as, you know, we got some, you know, funny moments and and, and everything coming out of it, it just seems so totally unreal to me. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, the whole, you know, Mark and Keon was uh, was basically, you know, a, a waste of time in in the episode anyway. But, yeah, that that seemed really, you know, took me out of it even more. Anyway, uh, Nia shows up at CCCM and tells Iris that she's her role model. And somewhere we can just vaguely hear Kara Danvers going, yo, not cool. Right? Uh, yeah, I know. I mean, for fuck's sakes, you have been working with Supergirl all these years. Well, oh, it's the Flash it writers writing her to say it. Yeah, well, anyway, <laughs> that just means that Nia was, was a kiss up. Uh, yeah. Nia tells Iris about her most recent dream and how her powers were erased. Uh, she thinks the only person who can help is Iris, who is also there in the dream. While they're sitting there, Nia gets an image of the hooded figure, and suddenly both she and Iris are knocked out. They wake up in a dream where Nia is a police officer and Iris is the captain. It's Iris's dream. Iris is intrigued by the dream life and wonders if this dream means she should have become a cop. Suddenly, a door appears, and Iris thinks it's a way out. Nia finally mentions, oh, by the way, Iris, in my dream, you died. So let's be careful about going through doors and stuff like that. Uh, Jeff, what did you think about Iris as a cop? Um, I liked it. I, I love that scene. I, I'm sure it wasn't Candace Patton, you know, uh, you know, going in and punching the guy out. It was her stunt double, but still, it was great to see, you know, badass uh, Iris not having to rely on a shotgun to kill people. Uh, but uh, uh, one thing that I liked about it was I thought that, you know, Iris looked absolutely turned out, totally police captain, whereas Nia's costume was like totally ill-fitting which i thought was a nice touch because it was iris's dream after all so of course iris would be the one who is you know the confident well-turned-out professional and nia just kind of looks like eve a canadian day player and they they couldn't bother uh, fitting the costume for her right iris west allen looked fantastic i loved seeing her kick ass so i agree with you in my mind it was her like it was candace Patton. Uh, it was probably the stunt person but in my mind it was her but mentally we're all thinking yeah yes. way to go candace she she did that thing she did the thing uh it was fantastic um her as a cop like just in general the idea 
I mean, it was interesting thoughts. Like, she went and started talking about how, like, you know, I guess as a as a youngster, she was like, because my dad's a cop, like, maybe I'll be a cop. Like, all of, the, like, the justification that she was, like, giving, like, oh, you know, I'm not just reporting the news, like, I'm making the news. Like, all of that was really interesting. I mean, clearly we were getting into her subconscious and, like, what she's thinking and, and uh, like... We knew, or at least I knew, there was going to be, like, a larger thing that was going to be discussed based off of the dreams. But uh, it was an interesting dream to sort of start things off with. We had a little Jesse L. Martin cameo. His picture was on her desk. So, uh, yay. It was great to see Papa Joe, even though we didn't actually... What cameo are you? Well, I'm counting it as a little cameo because we're not getting a lot of Papa Joe this season. So I'm trying to take as much Papa Joe as I can. And so we had a little Papa Joe moment... And I agree with you. Her suit was ill-fitted, uh, which was uh, it was it was kind of comical in my mind. Uh, but yeah, like you would have thought, Neonal, like the first thing, you know, once you get into the dream, she would have been like, you know what, this is what actually happened when you were in my dream. So we should probably be careful. I will yeah, give them props is- though on um, just really quick. I will give them props on the hooded figure. Uh, I didn't know where the hell this storyline was going to be going. So uh, they did a good job of, like, the creep factor. Like, when the hooded figure was there at C, 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 media? Whatever. There's a lot of Cs. When you when they it. were... It was three Cs. Okay, good. When they were there, and all of a sudden, and then, like, it was like a whoosh type of thing. Like, all of that was, like, really neat. Like, props to the effects budget, because, I mean, let's be real... Uh, Neonal uses a lot of effects. Moving on. Iris and Nia go through the door, and suddenly they're working at Jitters, but so is Barry and Chester. In the waking world, Barry shows up at CCCM and finds both Iris and Nia asleep. He takes them back to Star Labs, where somehow the team deduces that if they don't wake up soon, they'll be in a permanent coma, because obviously that's the sort of thing you can do when you're you know, not a medical professional. Back yeah. in the dream, things suddenly start getting weird in the coffee shop. Iris takes control of the situation and solves the issue. Nia suddenly starts feeling warm and tells Iris they need to go. It turns out they're having something called angry sleep. And Nia realizes they need to crack the code of whatever the problem Iris is dealing with in her real life to get out. How do you like the CCG's cosplay? Uh, and the, the way that we're getting another glimpse of, of Iris's concerns. You know, and again, you know, based on the idea of, you know, Iris, you know, I'd you know, idolizing her dad, wanting to be a cop, and finding out that she enjoyed her time working, you know, at CC Jitters. Uh, you know, uh, how'd you feel that this was being played out uh, in the, uh, as I call it, the cosplaying uh, sequence? Yes. Uh, shout out to season one of Legends of Tomorrow. I'm a barista. Uh, so she was a barista. Um, I mean, this one was more sort of cutesy because we got to see some of our you know, regular people in the dream, you know, being alternate versions of themselves. It was nice to see Iris and Barry sort of, like, still in love and the little jokes about he, him, being him like, working really, really fast, but, like, you know, he was, like, going very slow, which was incredibly comical on Grant Gustin's part. When, when Iris went into the dream and we initially saw him, like, on the phone with her, like, I was like, oh, is this going to be, like, a... Grant Gustin less episode like are we just going to see him in the beginning at the end or is this going to be a lighter episode for him so when we saw him actually go to uh, CCC Media with the cheesy fries which I will say we didn't see them but they sounded delicious um, 
like I was like, okay, we're gonna get Grant in this as Barry a, a lot more than I thought we were. I agree with the sciency stuff. I mean, they sort of said it was Gideon that did the science and the medical stuff, which I mean, Gideon does do that, so I I get it. But uh, yeah, the fact that they don't actually have a medical professional there at all is uh, concerning for me because uh, you know. There, uh, yeah, I, I just hope that they aren't going to have, like, medical crises <laughs> coming up, because they literally have nobody there outside of an AI. Um, and I don't know if she's as advanced as, like, Gideon from the Wave Rider, so there's that. Um, but yeah, it was a cute little like dream. as advanced as Amy Pemberton. Well, I mean, you know. Iris reveals that she misses being able to clock out at the end of the day, and she misses having her freedom. And and I, I have a certain you know uh, you know understanding of this you know I, I there are times when I you know reflect back to you know times when I was just working in a bookstore and stuff like that and I think oh it was just so much easier in those days before you had so much raining on you so much you know and in when you think about Iris's situation you know she's running CCCM Media she's married to the Flash she is shooting bad guys in the face with a shotgun there's a lot of shit on Iris's shoulders and. You know, there's a lot to be said for the idea of just chucking it all and leaving a, you know, or leading a, a simpler, you know, consequence-free life. So, you know, I kind of get that. Uh, but suddenly the scene shifts to that warehouse where we first saw Nia at the beginning of the episode uh, because it turns out Iris and Nia's dreams are merging. They're now sharing a nightmare. And Nia tells her they have to run. Nia and Iris are confronted by the hood woman who attacks them. Nia stands up to her and says that she's the dreamer, she's in control, and won't her, let her hurt them. Then a new door opens, and suddenly Nia and Iris are back at CCCM, but they're still dreaming. They observe Iris's employees, including Allegra, interestingly, talking about Iris winning the Pulitzer Prize and overhear them saying they think she's a fraud. Nia talks with Iris about the situation, and Iris opens up about her feelings that she hasn't earned things because she knew about her future so she feels she's not making her own choices almost everything she's accomplished everything she's done has been predestined somehow and you know that that has left her feeling that she hasn't earned it nia tells her she is making her own choices because destiny is the culmination of a lifetime of choices and path is one that she did create now jeff we've seen a certain ambivalence to the future from iris this season i've talked about in the past you know that it seems that you know there's been a conflict between Barry basically are arguing a predestination view, whereas Iris is arguing that, you know, we have to create the future and, you know, in every moment that we can. I think this scene encapsulated it pretty well. What did you think? It did. I have so many opinions about this, but it, but it really bleeds into the conversation that Neonol has with her. And um, so I, 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 don't, I don't know if I can talk about that right now. Cause... Oh, go ahead. Talk about it. Okay. All right. I'll pull a Dimitri. Um, shout out to Dimitri. Uh, okay, so Iris has been having this, um, I don't know, crisis of conscience, I guess, you know, ever since the premiere, ever since, you know, they had, ever since Barry presented the map book, the guidebook of future events, and uh, for Barry, it's like, okay, you know, we got to be ready, we got to be prepared, we're, we're so excited, this is all going to happen, and it's wonderful, and it's magical, and all this kind of stuff. And Iris, pretty much since the beginning, has been against uh, manifest 
<laughs> destiny, although that's not what Manifest Destiny is, but we'll call it Manifest Destiny here. Um, and she 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 wants free will. She wants the the right to be able to choose what to do. She does not like that things are preordained because she feels like she didn't earn them. And and we got those fears, as you said, um, in the in this uh, dream sequence. And can we, can I just say a really quick shout out to bringing back the actual actors that work there for just literally a thirty second dream sequence. I was surprised by that. Like, uh, yeah, because I don't feel, I feel like we haven't seen them since maybe the premiere. Uh, or whenever it was. Yeah, I think it was the premiere. So anyway, uh, so that was kind of nice. Uh, they got paid for that. Um, so seeing her fears bubble up was really nice. But then afterwards, what Dreamer said to her, that sure, you're going to be getting the Pulitzer Prize. You're going to be getting it based off of this article that all you have to do is hit enter tonight or whenever you hit enter. You're going to be getting it for that. But it isn't just that, you know, you're getting it because you hit the enter button. It's everything that led up to it. It's you studying journalism. It's you writing your first article. Like every article, every word that has been printed that you have you know, done in all these articles, all of that has led to the Pulitzer. So it isn't just that it's, you know, some preordained thing. It's something that you have been working for all of your life. And I'm saying all of your life, but I think she's only 30. But anyway, you know what I'm saying, Professor. So if Dreamer did anything in this episode, it was that. And uh, I think we're going to get a different Iris West Allen moving forward, sort of kind of accepting that there are things that are going to happen, but knowing that it isn't just that things are going to happen. She's been working for those things to happen ever since day one. In the waking world, Cecile suddenly realizes there's someone else there with them, but she doesn't know who. Cecile tells Barry that both Iris and, and Nia are going to be okay because what she just felt was a powerful and kind presence. But we, watching it, realize that she's perceiving this mysterious hooded figure. Full disclosure, I was 100% convinced that Nia was a hooded figure. And honestly, when oh. we found out that uh, you know everything's going to be fine, this is a benevolent figure, I thought that just sealed things. So color me surprised by how it turned out. Uh, in the dream, Nia and Iris find a door covered in spider webs. Nia has to make her way through to another door and ends up back in the warehouse in her dreamer suit with the hooded figure again. Uh, then Nia tells the hooded figure she's ready to give up control and accepts whatever comes next, which turns out that was what was necessary. The figure removes her hood and shows herself to be the original dreamer, the ancient source of dream energy. She gives Nia the power, and both Nia and Iris wake up completely fine at Star Labs. After it's all over and the team is getting together and, uh, and decompressing, Nia explains the original dreamer is going to teach her how to use her powers beyond her wildest dreams. Rimshot. Uh, and as a brief aside, I really like the fact that when Nicole Mays did that, she actually mimed a little rim shot because she was aware of the fact she was making these dreamer jokes. And I subsequently found out, you know, that uh, when uh, uh, Nicole Mays was playing dreamer, she had like a, a list of, of all the dreamer puns she could think of, you know, sitting on her phone, just waiting to find ways to use them uh, in the show. So I, I absolutely like that. Um, and, you know, uh, Iris is convinced by this. Uh, she goes ahead and publishes her story. So Jeff, 
do we think this is the final resolution to to Iris's you know season long or seven episode long arc of of dealing with the consequences of you know Barry understanding what the future is supposed to be and Iris pushing against that? Is that all in the past now, and we're just going to be going forward for the final five or six episodes? That's what my hope is. I feel like Dreamer did a really good job of just conveying, as I said, you know, that Iris has been working for this her entire life. So it isn't just that it's preordained. It's that every little thing that she's done has been leading her down this path to this journey of uh, willing, winning, winning, of winning the Pulitzer Prize. So I think so. That's my hope. Uh, the little rimshot thing was adorable. Uh, the fact that it was the original Dreamer, that was really interesting. Could they not have given her any lines? Like, I feel like an actor gets paid more when you actually say something. I feel Absolutely. like that's... Okay, so that's factually accurate. She said nothing. So that means they didn't pay her as much as some of the other ones. I mean, she got paid the same as like the random people that were standing. I'm going to assume those random people that were standing in, in that warehousey hall were other dreamers over the centuries, maybe. But I'm confused now because I thought the dreamers were always supposed to be women and there were men standing there too. So I was very confused. Um, maybe they're just her ancestors. I don't know. I wish we would have gotten just a little explanation for that because that was it was a uh, it was a stylistic choice that was meant to uh, give an air of foreboding. But it was just strange. Um, I did enjoy her little jaunt through the spiderweb hallway. That was kind of neat. And uh, the other thing that I want to say is that I loved that we had both of like the MacGuffin-y people <laughs> meet. Because Dreamer was kind of a MacGuffin-y person over on Supergirl. She was, like, way OP and was able to do anything and everything every single week. You know, it's like her power source sort of fit whatever the writers needed to happen during said week's episode. And Cecile is the same type of person. She's a mcguffin We don't really know what her powers are, but she can sense everything and everyone, and she can freeze things, and she's a telepath, and... Yeah, she maybe she'll stop a tidal wave at some point. I don't know, but yeah, seeing them meet was so cute in my mind because I'm like, both of you have way more in common than you actually know. Speaking of Cecile, uh, at the end of the episode, everyone has a big family breakfast at the West House. Mark stops by to talk to Keon. Uh, he's still struggling with having lost Frost. Duh. He apologizes to Keon. She forgives him because she's his friend. He says he'll miss her because he's decided he's going to have to leave town because he has to go through his pain and grieve properly and alone. He makes her promise to keep exploring her powers. She then goes back inside and ends up ruining breakfast. Thanks, Keon, because right? she's sad. That's no reason to ruin breakfast for everyone else, you monster. Uh, Jeff, any thoughts? Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, because, you know, Mark is supposed to be part of the Team Flash family. You know, they they had to have him, you know, realize he was wrong. Given we only have, what, five episodes left? Is it surprising Six. he's going to go off on a vision quest to find himself? Um, uh, were you at all surprised by this? And, and, and again, the idea that, you know, should we read anything more than the fact that, you know, Keon is sad, um, you know, and that her sadness manifests itself in, you know, sub-zero powers? You know, is she sad just because, you know, she's 
disappointed a friend, or is there perhaps something more to her disappointment? Okay, we have six episodes left. I, I double-checked. Uh, he will be gone for between two and three episodes, I think, max, uh, because he's a series regular. So I doubt he was a series regular for, like, the first half of the season. Then he's just going to disappear from the opening credits. But we'll find out next week. If he's no longer in the opening credits, then we know exactly where his vision quest has taken him, and that is off the show. Um, okay, so there was that. Like, I will say this. Mark gets a lot of crap talked about him, in particular from you and from Dimitri. I've been a little bit kinder to Mark. And I will say this. I thought it was incredibly... Dimitri than from me. Well, there you go. I think he's he's a hater of the 12-pack, but anywho, you didn't hear I it from me. Anyone with ice powers, come on. <laughs> Whoa, well, there is that, too. Dimitri hates ice people. Spread it, people. Yeah, that is a fact. Um, he, he also hates ice sculptures, and he didn't like the movie Frozen, but anywho. So, I felt like yeah. this was... Yes? Let it go. I will. Sorry. I feel like... This was the most mature that we've seen Mark in a moment. Like, the fact that he actually was so introspective about what was going on and he realized what he was doing, props to him. Because I feel like a lot of grown-ass people would try to gaslight and, you know, make up excuses as to why they were acting the way Mark was acting. So props to him for realizing the roots of the issue and the fact that he needs to mourn. If the rest of the Team Flash would realize that they also have to mourn Caitlyn, maybe other things would be better. I don't know. But Keon? Okay, first of all, Cecile was like, I worked so hard on this brunch. You know, I my secret family recipe that I can't wait for y'all to try. And then she freezes everything. My hope is that they're able to defrost some of the stuff. Just because, I mean, there was like a big-ass spread of food there. Now, mm-hmm. clearly, we know, and we discussed this already, Keon is going to be some sort of Mother Nature type of... Uh, well, she's not a metahuman. Um, being. There we go. A conduit. I don't know. An avatar, maybe. Yo no sé. But she's going to be something with Mother Nature. She can do stuff uh, with with stuff in the world. Like, she was controlling the weather that one day. She made it rain. She made the rain stop. And now she can freeze things. So maybe flame powers will happen next. And then earth powers, you know. Maybe she is the last airbender. We don't know. But clearly she can control stuff based off of her emotions. Um... Yeah, the only thing that I can add to it is just I, I hope they were able to salvage the, the food. Uh, maybe not the liquor. You know, it looked like there were bottomless mimosas being ready to be poured out. But, um, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, uh, I don't know if, yeah. I don't know if it's going to taste the same after that gets thawed out. But you just put the casserole thing in the microwave, I think, or in the oven. It should be fine, I, I, I would hope. It was curious that she was exuding enough cold power to, you know, freeze alcohol in a glass. But, you know, none of the people, you know, lost their hands or anything like that, which would seem to be, you know, uh, you know, a, a logical uh, you know, assumption of that. Yeah, while I agree with you that, you know, this was probably the most mature we've seen, Mark, I did feel it was a bit undermined by the fact that they did have that scene in the bar where everyone was commenting, you know, on his relationship to such an extent that I found it, it, it kind of undercut. You know, his his his, you know, what we would hope would be his emotional growth, 
you know, having, you know, that what was you know, presented as such a, a funny scene of, of everyone in the bar commenting on you know, just how clueless he was and how he wasn't getting it. Um, that that felt, you know, that felt like a, um, uh, you know, a, a misstep to me. Uh, I think it would have played better if we hadn't had every literally every you know, person in the bar reacting to what he said, or at least every female patron in the bar reacting to what he said and, and the male patrons, you know, wincing at uh, you know, just how clueless he was. Uh, but that said, no, I agree with you. We'll probably, you know, be without Mark for an episode or two, and then he'll be back, and we'll we'll see how it all uh, plays out uh, as we approach the end of the series. Before we move on to the MVP section, was there anything you wanted to mention, Jeff? You know, an Easter egg, a moment of shame, or maybe a Hall of Fame moment? I'm trying to think. Um, well, I love the braids for Iris, so it's nice to sort of see them, you know, outside of just the previous episode. It was nice to see them in this episode as well. And outside of that, I don't really, I don't, yeah, I feel like we covered everything. Even though we kind of zipped through some of the dream stuff, I feel like we did cover everything. Okay, it's time for the MVP section. So state which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once character's been chosen, they cannot be selected again, so choose wisely. Jeff, who is your MVP and pourquoi? Well, I'll go with the obvious choice. Uh, I'm going to give it to Dreamer. Uh, you know, whether she fit into the story, whether she was shoehorned in, whether we needed this additional chapter in the Neonal Dreamer story in the Arrowverse, I can't answer that for everyone. But all I can say is, for me, she was enjoyable. It was great to see her again. It was nice that, you know... We had a little bit of an an exposition-y confirmation that Iris has gone to their brunches, even though I don't feel like a lot of time has passed uh, for the, for her to have gone to brunches. And she's also I think pregnant. She basically, one brunch in there. Okay, and she's also pregnant, so she can't really, you know, brunch brunch it up like people do bottomless mimosas and that kind of stuff. So she'll just have be sipping on like orange juice while the other supers get drunk, which you know that might be entertaining by itself. Um, but yeah, it just, it was great to see Neonal again. I, I, once again, I don't know why we needed the story, but I'm glad she was there. She was fantastic. I, I just genuinely feel bad for the hardcore Flash viewer that's like, I just watched The Flash, I never saw Arrow, I never saw Legends, I never saw Supergirl, etc., 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 I just watched The Flash. If you just watched The Flash... You have no idea who this lady is. <laughs> and so, like, I feel sorry for you because she was such a fantastic character on Supergirl. And she was just equally fantastic here, even though she was a bit of a suck up by saying that Iris West Allen is like her number one, uh, which I mean, Kara has super hearing. So I feel like she heard that and she was like, that bitch. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, and, and, you know, you know, I don't how, care how powerful you are. You don't want to go pissing off Supergirl. Uh, but I agree, you know, I don't know if it was necessary, of, you know, out of all the characters. Yes, you know, she did manage to, you know, by invoking, you know, Dreamer, they managed to, you know, allow Iris to have some emotional development in this episode. I'm not sure it was necessary. I personally, I would have much happier if we could have gotten resolution to what happened to uh, uh, to Legends because, you know, everything wrapped up, you know, nicely in a bow on Supergirl, whereas Legends did not wrap up quite so nicely. So, I, I would have been a bit happier if they could have found a way to to you know involve you know a legend uh, in this episode, but who could have done that? Uh, I don't know. 
Uh, but no, I agree with you. You know, it was great to see uh, Nicole again. Uh, you know, she is cute as a bug's ear. She has a great costume, and you know, Dreamer was a fantastic character. So I, you know, I do not begrudge uh, them uh, bringing back Dreamer. Uh, but for me, uh, you know, and you know, I'm just going to mirror what the uh, the listeners have been saying for the past 45 minutes. Thank God Dimitri's not here because I get to choose Iris. Um, I, you know, obviously, you know, if if Dimitri were here, he would have glommed onto Iris and prevented me from choosing her. Um, you know, I thought she was great, uh, you know, um, you know, play, I thought she did a great job of, uh, of playing her concerns. Uh, I love the way that Candace Patton played herself, sort of thinking herself, oh, maybe I'm a badass cop or, you know what, I kind of like being a barista. You know, I, I think that was very nicely done. And, and I think Candace Patton did a great job of playing someone who is very successful in her life, but is looking back and thinking, yes, I'm successful, but would I be happier if I had lived a simpler life. And I think that's something that, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, you deal with, you know, as they become, you know, uh, you know, more quote unquote successful, you know, uh, you know, uh, and all of that, you know, would you be happier if you had a simpler, quieter life, you know, not to get all Hallmark, uh, you know, or anything like that. But I think she did a very nice job of playing that. And, uh, and, and I appreciate that. Okay. So now it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate the episode on a scale of one to 10 lightning bolts? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than 10, you may archive the episode in the Flash Museum. Jeff, how would you rate this episode? I've been going back and forth on what this episode should get. I, I agree. I have, I, boy, I just, well, thank God Dimitri isn't here. Right? Oh, he'd probably give it low, even if it's an Iris West talent. Well, he'd give a lot of Candace Patton. But... Yeah, well, that is true. But I think he would drop the F-bomb. Um, and I'm, I'm like teetering close to that too, but, but we did have some really good character development for Iris West Allen. Like she was really, uh, troubled by the, the guidebook to life. And I feel like we got a, a bit of understanding from her via Nia that, that helped a little bit of character development. So, I mean, it wasn't a it was not a bad episode. It was a good episode. I, I don't know how this fits into the overall narrative in which they're trying to express for this being the final season. And we're getting a lot of um, episodes that don't really feel like the urgency that this is the final season is there. Um, but I, I did enjoy it. And it was great to see Neonal again. And and uh, Nicole Maines was just fantastic. And, and even Candace Patton as Iris was fantastic as well, uh, I'll give it an eight and a half. I'm like stuck between an eight and a nine, and I don't know if it's, if a nine is too high. I don't know if an eight is too low. It was a well done episode. I just it, I'm I'm so almost perplexed by it because of just where this episode falls into this final season. But it was not a bad episode. It was enjoyable, and it was great to see Nia again, and it was nice to see. Candace Patton at the forefront. I would agree with you. I would give it an eight and a half if this was an episode of Supergirl, but it wasn't. It was an episode of The Flash. And I think that, you know, in terms of you, you mentioned the dreaded F word. This was absolutely a filler episode. <laughs> yes, we got a tiny bit of advance in 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 Iris's uh, you know concerns, but we've been dealing with this since the first episode um, and it didn't feel like a significant enough you know, uh, advance in, in her storyline to justify that. Um, the, the only real advance that we got was in dreamers character and dreamer is not a flash character. 
So, you know, while I, I loved seeing, uh, you know, Nia again, uh, I thought she, she was great, uh, you know, and, and, you know, a, a character, you know, certainly worth revisiting. There's only five episodes left in the series. Six. Did we spend six episodes left in the series. Did we need to spend this much time on a character from a completely different show that wrapped up a couple of years ago? I don't think so. So I'm going to give it a 7.5. Still a very enjoyable. And, and again, I, you know, I love Nia. You know, I love Nicole Maines. I think she's great. Uh, I love the character. Again, love the costume. But I just feel like, man, this, this episode didn't land for me. Join us next time for a brand new installment of the Central City Citizen. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Central City Citizen and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. Jeff, please wish the listeners good night. Good night, Central City, Metropolis, and the Dream World. Ah, thanks for tuning in. Subscribe to the Central City Citizen by Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. New episodes release every Friday. You can also download the entire series by visiting poppychillradio.com slash archives. Good night.